Our topic today is leisure, leisure from the perspective of the Torah. Leisure, certainly by modern light, seems to be a wholesome and uh, harmless activity. Obviously, there are bad parts of, there are bad types of leisure, but leisure itself, in principle, seems to be a uh, part of part of normal human life. We'll see today, however, that halacha, the Torah, has a somewhat uh, tense, a somewhat ambivalent relationship toward leisure. This topic is particularly apropos this time of the year, Hanukkah. As we'll see, there are very long-standing traditions in Jewish communities, particularly in the German Jewish communities, to engage in certain leisure activity, card playing in particular, on or around Hanukkah time. We'll discuss some of the sources of that tradition. We'll discuss the the Talmudic roots, the roots in, in, in the rabbis of the Talmud, what they, how they felt about leisure. We'll discuss what various authorities uh, in Jewish law have expressed on the subject of leisure throughout the centuries. And we'll discuss what some contemporary authorities have said about certain popular forms of leisure. And a disclaimer, the kind of thing I typically say, is that particularly when we're discussing issues of culture, so the culture in the time of the Talmud was very, very different from culture today. There are all kinds of culture today, but, for example, one of the key passages in the Talmud is going to talk about theaters and circuses. Theaters and circuses in the time of the, in the, time of the Romans meant things like gladiators and slaves thrown to the lions and Christians thrown to the lions and whatnot. Uh, theaters and circuses mean... To a certain extent, we have our circuses may resemble Roman circuses. On the other hand, the culture they dealt with was something uh, very different from at least certain aspects of our culture today. So it's going to be problematic, as always, to try to directly apply some of the, the earliest precedents to modern culture. Nevertheless, we'll see, as, as always in halacha, later authorities, modern authorities have to try to attempt to abstract the principles that the early sources tell us and apply it to uh, apply it to contemporary apply it to contemporary life a little bit about leisure and hanukkah so one of the customs the iconic customs of hanukkah is playing dreidel now people people some people have seen that some of the postkim of the last century or so two of the greatest postkim of the last century the bir halacha the chavetz chaim's bir halacha and the Archa Shulchan both decried gambling on Hanukkah, card playing and gambling. They were both uh, vociferous in their they were vociferous in their opposition to card playing on Hanukkah. They use uh, they use quite strong language condemning condemning the the very idea of uh, of uh, instead of instead of engaging in lofty spiritual pursuits, instead of zmiros v'tishpachos, songs of praise and thanks to God. Instead, they, they play schok hakartim, they play with cards. The Svarim Haktoshim, the holy books, have condemned this uh, at, at length, he says. Anyone who cares about his soul will avoid this. Arach has similar language. He says that those who play with klafim, with cards, their punishment is great. And this nega hatzaras, this plague of leprosy, has spread in the house of Israel, he says. Woe is to us that this has befallen us in our day. Many averas, many sins, uh, hinge on card playing. May the merciful God uh, atone for our sins. Anyone who is in a position to, to nullify, to get rid of this pernicious custom, will be greatly rewarded. So, 
you get the impression sometimes that dreidel is a traditional Jewish custom of Hanukkah and card playing is some kind of uh, pernicious alien graft onto Hanukkah. The ironic truth is actually the opposite. Card playing on Hanukkah is, has sources, is mentioned in Jewish tradition for many centuries, at least 600 years. We have references to card playing, gambling on Hanukkah. Dreidel is of relatively recent origin. Dreidel is also a gambling game initially, but Dreidel goes back maybe 250 years to uh, the earliest recorded the earliest recorded Jewish sources we have on the topic of Dreidel go back uh, 250 years. And as we're going to see, the, the notion of playing cards on Hanukkah actually goes back uh, actually goes back at least six centuries. There's a popular idea about the connection of Dreidel to Hanukkah. That that when the Jews were hiding in caves, that 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 went, that went, that when the Jews were hiding in caves in the time of the Romans and they weren't allowed to uh, they weren't allowed to teach Torah, so so they, they had to have a cover story. They would hide in the caves when the inspectors, when the Greek inspectors came, they would play dreidel and they would say that they were uh, they were just playing dreidel. So this story is of relatively late uh, relatively late origin. Dan Rabinowitz points out this was first published in 1890. And that author also says that card playing on Hanukkah has a similar basis. They used to play cards. As Dan dryly points out, that idea is not nearly as well known as the, as, as the dreidel one. But be that as it may, as we'll see, in actual, in actual uh, solidly Jewish sources, halachic sources, card playing can be traced back at least 600 years, while dreidel is of somewhat more uh, recent origin, at least insofar as the written record goes. The, the earliest sources we have are in, are, to card playing in, in, around Hanukkah time are in some German postgame of six, five and six centuries ago. Rabbi Yaakov Weil, Lamari Weil, he was discussing not leisure or Hanukkah or anything to do with that. He was discussing a, uh, a marital dispute. He was discussing a woman who was a woman. She and her family were complaining that her husband was. Uh, was a dissipated person who was wasting his money, and he was gambling, and he was hanging out in bars, and uh, and it was behaving altogether in an un- in a in an unrefined and unpleasant way. He was getting drunk and vomiting. She says she wants out of the marriage. She wants her ksuva. The husband's defense was he didn't deny that he occasionally played cards, but he says my my card playing is within reason. My card playing is consistent with cultural norms. I, I never play cards inappropriately and moderately. The only time I play cards is on Hanukkah, as is the Minhag. Now, the Marival does not discuss this particular claim, but he makes no comment. He lets us go, and it seems that this was, uh, this was a well-known custom, that people, Jews, had a kind of outlet. They had a permission to play cards. Card playing was frowned on by society in general. But on Hanukkah, the Minhag was that Jews played cards. There is a similar report in the Chuvas of Rabbi Yisrael of Bruna, the Mari Bruna, also about five centuries ago, he says there was a certain community that had passed an edict prohibiting gambling. Gambling goes back to the Talmud. We're not going to get into the details of the halachas of gambling, but gambling is discussed in the Talmud already. The halacha is somewhat uh, uncertain about it. There are different opinions, but according to many poskim, gambling is allowed. But the fact is, societies understood that gambling was a scourge on society. It often was at a, at a problem gambling and so on. To many communities, the, the communal leadership would ban gambling. So there was a certain community in the Maribrunas time that banned gambling. And however, they made certain exceptions. They wanted to give people a little bit of an outlet. So they said, 
special days of the year, you can gamble. When are special days? Days that you don't say Tachnon. A day that you don't say Tachnon is a special day, it's a festive day. So on days where Tachnon is not recited, you can gamble. Specifically, on Hanukkah and similar days, you're allowed to gamble. So they had a question, they asked the, uh, the Trumas Adeshen, Rabbi Yisrael Marburg, the author of the Trumas Adeshen, another one of the famous German postkin of six centuries ago, they asked him, what about the night following Hanukkah? Can we still gamble on the night of Matzei Hanukkah? We haven't started saying Tachan yet, it's not till the next day, so maybe it's still like Hanukkah. It's already, uh, it's already after Hanukkah, but we haven't started saying Tachan. Does the festive, festive mood of Hanukkah extend to uh, the night of post-Hanukkah? He said yes. He says we haven't started saying Tachan yet, so you can still gamble on the night of Hanukkah. They asked another question. They asked, uh, they asked, um, they asked what, about, uh, what about the day before Hanukkah and so on. So they, they, so they had different questions, but again, the, there was a clear minhag, a clear communal edict, no, glamb- no gambling except on Hanukkah. And the debate was, uh, was exactly how far does the latitude of Hanukkah extend. Gambling is mentioned by the Truma Sedeshin and another tshuva as well, gaming or gambling. He says, and Hilch, again, not, not, discussing the, not discussing leisure here, but discussing Hilchas Pesach, the Truma records that he heard that there were certain people, apparently meticulous people, pious people, who cared about halacha. He says they would avoid playing cards, carton, they would avoid playing cards on Pesach. Why? Obvious reasons, he says, because the cards had, had starches or chametz on them. They, they didn't want to play over the dining room table, over the tables they ate on, because chametz would fall. This is uh, something we all know today, that we're careful that things, whether it's books or toys or things that are used in the context of chametz, or that have chametz uh, embedded in them, or are coatings and so on. So we're, we're worried about you, people who are meticulous about the laws of Pesach, try to avoid using those things over the table. So they avoided, they, they gave up their cards on Pesach because they were concerned that bits of chametz might fall, uh, might, might, fall into the, might fall into the food. Okay, so gambling apparently was normal. These people who were medaktikim and halacha apparently played cards all year. But on Pesach, they, they made the sacrifice of giving up their cards because they were afraid that chametz from the cards would, uh, would fall into the food. We find other poskim, other German authorities, mention the, mention the idea of gambling, and, the, and the, even though it's a terrible thing, but the, 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 grudgingly, we, we, the communities allowed German postkim, they said, of the hundreds of years later, the 17th century, and so on, they allowed some gambling around Hanukkah. So some of them were more opposed to it, some of them grudgingly accepted it. Rav Yosef Yosef Kushman, the author of the, author of the Noe Kitzon Yosef, so he records, first of all, he records a, uh, a charming custom. He says that the custom was, in Germany apparently, the custom was that they would dance with the children around the, the Hanukkah menorah for a half hour after lighting. Why? It wasn't just because they were Hasidic and they liked to uh, celebrate by dancing. It was for a specific reason. He says, we don't want them to go to sleep. We want them to stay up. We want to engage them. We want the children to what, see the menorah. So we do something entertaining for children, we dance with them to keep them, to keep them awake. But then he records, regarding gambling, he says, in all the Kehilos, all Jewish communities, he means obviously German Jewish communities, but in all, in all the communities, he says, they made xeris, they made edicts, communal edicts, to ban gambling, any form of gambling, shumschok, except for Hanukkah and Purim. He says that the outlets they gave were Hanukkah and Purim, they allowed gambling, why? 
he's very grudging. He says it was connected to Yetzir Hara. We have to give the Yetzir Hara something. We, we, can't, uh, we can't completely ban all forms of fun and leisure. So they have to give the Yetzir Hara some kind of outlet. And better that than they should have no outlet at all. That would be very bad. And therefore, grudgingly, they accepted some gambling, even though uh, ideally we would spend our time doing other things, not playing cards. Again, in classic sources, gambling typically meant uh, gaming, card playing typically meant playing for money. They weren't talking about uh, they weren't talking about deck building games and Gwent and Uno and uh, and games we play just for fun and bridge. There were, I mean. Some of these games are gambling games as well, but you know, these are games that, uh, these are games, typically they were gambling, but the point is they were leisure, they were gambling, they were frowned upon, but they were tolerated, and uh, strikingly enough, curiously enough, the one time of the year that, uh, that's most often mentioned as a, as a license to gamble was on Hanukkah. The Chavasier, another German, another German authority, 17th century, he says he recalls that as a young man, the people in charge of regulating communal life the Bale Hatakanos, and headed by his father, the great, uh, great Gon and Chassid, his father, he says, they wanted to, the, the custom was as, was, very, as was common throughout Germany, that they allowed gambling on Hanukkah, and his father was very upset. The, these are the days that were devoted to Lahodos, or Lahalel, that are supposed to be uh, lofty spiritual pursuits, dedicated to lofty spiritual pursuits, to praise Hashem and to thank Him for the miracles of Hanukkah. These are the days that we engage in Schok and Kalas Rosh, and these are days that we, uh, we do these things. So he, they knew perfectly well they couldn't, ban, they couldn't ban it entirely. They knew that they would have to uh, give people an outlet. But the proposal was to move it to a different day, to move the heter of gambling away from Hanukkah and put it on a different time of the year. When? They suggested on the eight days of their holidays. Presumably this is something like from Christmas to New Year's, Anyway, people are not working, people stay home, and people are not working during those days. They had vacation then, like we have today, or they were just terrified of, uh, terrified of uh, Christian mobs whipped up to a bloodlust by the preachers, whatever it was. But Jews were not working during those days, so let's let them gamble then. They're anyway home, they're not working, why, why do this on Hanukkah? So there was a proposal to keep, the, keep the, the permitted outlet for gambling, but move it over a few weeks from Hanukkah to the Christian holiday season. Didn't work, he says. Lo also biyado, people, the community refused to go along. Lo eskimu l'shana saminhag, people were, people were, people were uh, insisted on preserving their traditions. The tradition was we gamble on Hanukkah. So he says, much as his father would have liked to move uh, the gambling uh, permission to a different day, it did not work out, and they kept it on Hanukkah. Chasim Sofer, Chasim Sofer has a tshuva. He, he he initially came from Frankfurt. He has a tshuva about uh, people who pe- play kaitlach, kvitlach, people who play some kind of gambling game. He says that, the, again, they used to play, apparently it was common, uh, they used to play during the, you know, d- d- during the Christian holidays. He says there was an attempt to ban it, he says. There was an attempt to, uh, you know, to the, the morality police to ban gambling and to, uh, to outlaw it. However, he says, it turned out, the experiment, the experiment turned out to uh, show the folly of such a policy. He says, they do worse things. At least if they're playing games, they're doing something relatively harmless, keeping out of trouble, he says. You take away all their fun, you don't let them do anything, he says. It causes kamen yani It causes fighting and quarreling and lush and hara. 
They have no work, he says, and all they do is they sit and they play, and now they don't, you don't let them play either, he says. What are they going to do? They're going to do all kinds of things. So he says, we see the, the wisdom, the prescience of the early Jewish sages. They allowed some gambling, not because they thought it was a great way to spend your time, but because people need some kind of outlet. People have to do something, and if they, the, people can't learn Torah all the time, he says. People are not going to learn every minute of the day, and if, if they, we need to give them something to do, he says, it can lead to much worse things and uh, give them at least the, the relatively the harm mitigation, let them do the lesser of two evils and play, play their games instead of, uh, instead of doing machlokas and Lashon Hara and quarreling and so on. However, he says, of course, Lom de Torah, those who can learn Torah, they have the strength to study Torah, then of course there's no hatter, he says. They, they, should be, uh, they, they should be learning Torah. But, uh, but, but, but those, who, those who can't learn Torah, ordinary people, he gives a, he gives a uh, somewhat grudging dispensation, but a firm dispensation that human nature is what it is. We can tell people, be uh, all work and no play, engage only in productive activities and spiritual activities all the time. It's not realistic, and therefore the, the wisdom of Klal Yisrael is that we have to allow some degree of play, some degree of uh, leisure activities. The, mo- the most fascinating tshuva in general, touching on Hanukkah and leisure in general that I've ever seen on this topic, is a tshuva of Rav Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld. Rav Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld was a figure who was famous in some contexts for being a fanatic, for being uncompromising, very, very reactionary, hardline. Yet, however, in some of his tshuvas, he, he has a, a remarkable uh, sympathy for, for humanity, a remarkable humanity, a remarkable... Uh, Tolerance and, and these chuvas in particular are uh, very very fascinating chuvas. He had an ongoing conversation with a correspondent. His correspondent was apparently a real killjoy, a real puritan, and was and was outraged that that he that halacha was tolerating people engaging in leisure activities and play. His correspondent thought that everything should be usher unless a person has basically a note from his doctor that he's uh, that, he, that he's on the risk of a mental breakdown. Everything should be prohibited. Anything that's not learning Torah or necessary for some other purpose should be prohibited. So the conversation begins that he says in Hanukkah and similar times, people play games and they say that even B'nai Torah do that. The ordinary people say even B'nai Torah play games on Hanukkah. They, they engage in card playing or whatnot. Tzarechian, I don't understand, his correspondent said. What's the purpose of this? It's Bittal Torah. So, similarly, he says, I don't understand the Trumas Adeshin. Trumas says they used to play cards, except on Pesach, all year round they played cards. Nobody complains about that. Why is playing cards allowed? Playing cards is Bittal Torah. You should be learning Torah. How can anybody play games or do things like this? How can this be? How can we tolerate play and games and anything that is not uh, sober, of sober spiritual, spiritual or at least material value? Says Yosef Chaim Zanefeld, nope, even in the Talmud we find people used to stroll and play, Ace Lischok, he says, that, that, that's when uh, Shlomo Melech said, Ace Lischok, there's a time for play, a time for relaxation. He says, because doing nothing, idleness is the de- idle hands of the devil's work. Idleness is certainly bad, Chazal tell us. Not everyone can learn Torah all day, echoing the Chasim Sofer. Not everyone can learn Torah all the time. So they felt it was, uh, it was appropriate to let people have some time for leisure, that we, we can't go around and flatly forbid all forms of play and all forms of leisure. It's not, it's not realistic. People are human beings. They have, they, 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 have, uh, they have psychological needs as well as physical ones, and we can't expect them to learn Torah all the time. And he says, he goes so far as to say, 
We should not uh, cast aspersions on a minag Yisrael, a holy minag, because again, like the Chasam Sefer, if we uh, if we don't let them uh, if we don't let them do this, they'll do worse things. His example of worse things is listening to the news. He was very much opposed to uh, to news and politics and so on. But the point is similar to the Chasam Sefer. We need we need people. Ordinary people need leisure, of course. who can learn all day. That's great. Ordinary people need some some degree of leisure, some outlet, and it's a minig Yisrael, ein laharer. So, in striking contrast to the, his contemporaries, the Bir Halacha and the Archa Shulchan, who talked about what a terrible, terrible minhag this was of playing cards on Hanukkah, so the Rebbeinu Chaim Zanafel says just the opposite: Don't be maharer achar minig Yisrael am kadosh. Don't cast aspersions. It's a legitimate and uh, it's a legitimate and permitted minhag, and it is it is okay. And people need to play sometimes. So his correspondent did not give up. His correspondent uh, returned, returned to Yosef Chaim Zanefeld, and he said, he says, I don't understand. How could it not be Bittal Torah, he says. He says, the Gemara Menachas says, the Gemara Menachas has a famous, uh, somewhat uh, mysterious passage. It says a certain, it says a certain Chacham in the Talmud wanted to go, he said, I learned the entire Torah. I've learned all of Torah. Now I would like to go learn Chachmas Yivanis. I would like to go learn Greek wisdom. So he told him, you know when you can do that? Go find a time that's neither day nor night. The Torah says, You should learn Torah day and night. All your day and night time is reserved for learning Torah. Find some other time that's neither day nor night and go engage in your other hobbies and your intellectual pursuits. The Gemara seems to say, you have to learn Torah all day and all night. No time for anything else. How can you allow card playing? How can you allow anything, he told Rav Zanenfeld. You're not allowed to read uh, books of wars. You're not allowed to read literature. That's something we'll return to a little bit later, the, the question of whether reading literature is permitted. It's Bittal Torah. It's Moshe of Leitzim. The Gemara says they used to play sometimes, maybe for health reasons and maybe physical activity, which was, you need to get exercise, and maybe I can live with that, he says. But games, how are games? Games are not, you don't get any exercise in, 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 uh, in card games, he says. So what's the hatter? Yosef Chaim was not impressed. He says, many times doctors say that mental health is important too. You need, uh, you need to relax, that uh, even if it's not physical exercise, you need, sometimes they tell you to don't engage in uh, strenuous mental activity either, just engage in play, that's healthy as well, that even if it's not you know, simple cardio exercise, even if it's just a general leisure activity, that's all fine, it's, uh, at, least in, at least in limited quantities, it doesn't say how many hours a day you should do this, but at least to some degree, he says, Leisure is useful. Leisure is helpful. Leisure helps you stay uh, helps helps you stay uh, mentally sound, and uh, it's fine. He says, and uh, and it's fine. Stop stop condemning people's leisure activities. He tried one more time. Rav Yosef Chaim's correspondent tried one more time. He says, "Okay, I understand. If someone says his doctor says you need a break, you have to stop working so hard. Fine. If the guy comes with a note from his doctor that his doctor says you have to relax a little bit, take it easy. For that guy, I'll give him a dispensation. He can go play cards for a little bit." He says. But an ordinary person, he, the Gemara says, he can't do that. You have to learn Torah all the time. He says. And uh, Chazal say in general, Chazal condemned. We'll discuss some of the sources soon. Chazal condemned all kinds of uh, non-productive activities. So what's the hatter, he says. Yosef Chaim Zanefeld has little more to say. He just says, I've seen all your uh, critiques in my position. Look, he says, I just told you what I feel, he says. Nothing you've said makes me change my mind, and I, I stand by what I said. Even, uh, but you know, that's what I feel, he says. I feel that it's wholesome, and, 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 and it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a, an appropriate activity to allow people to play a little bit, he says, and uh, it's not reasonable to, to demand that everyone simply 
engage all the time, literally all the time, in productive, spiritually, and, or materially productive pursuits. So, in order to understand a little bit better the, the attitudes of the Talmud and later authorities toward leisure, we'll, we'll turn back now and we'll study the, the classic sources in Tarsha B'chav and then Tarsha Balpeh, the written and oral Torah, about leisure. Much of the discussion begins from the very first Pasuk in Sefer Tehillim. David HaMelech says, Praiseworthy, fortunate, Ashrei Ha'ish, who doesn't do the following things. He doesn't halach ba'atzes rishayim, he doesn't walk with the counsel of the wicked, but derech ha'tayim lo'amad, he doesn't stand in the path of sinners. Moshev leitzim lo'yashev. The three things that David praises, the third one, the most famous one, is Moshev leitzim lo'yashev, he did not sit in the session of scorners. Moshev leitzim. Uh, this is a widely, widely bandied about phrase in rabbinic literature. Moshe of Leitzim is a bad thing. Rather, what should you do, David HaMelech says, rather, What's the alternative to Moshe of Leitzim? Studying Torah constantly, as, as we mentioned, you have to study Torah day and night. A person should not waste his time sitting in a Moshe of Leitzim. Rather, he should learn Torah day and night. There is some discussion in the Achronim whether, whether this problem of Moshe of Leitzim is understood to be related to Betel Torah, to wasting time that could be studying Torah, or is it a prohibition in and of itself? There are some sources that imply it's related, others that, that, that imply it's separate. But in general, Moshe of Leitzim is considered a, a bad thing, a prohibited activity, and learning Torah is what you should be doing instead. Similarly, there's a mission in Perkayava says, Rechina ben Tradian says, Two people who sit and they don't have uh, and they don't have uh, they don't study the Torah. That is Moshe of Leitz references the passing of Tehillim. If they do learn Torah, Shechina then Hashem is with them, and uh, and so on. And that is a that is a wonderful thing. So again, the Talmud, the the Mishnah Perkayavos, echoing the passing of Tehillim, says sitting together, doing anything apparently, not just mocking and scorning. Even if you just sit in silence, you just sit and discuss politics or the weather. The implication of the Mishnah is, if you don't discuss Torah, the mere absence of Torah is Moshev Leitzim. What cures Moshev Leitzim is elevating your intercourse, elevating your, uh, your, your, your fraternity with the study of Torah. That's a pretty high standard. Engaging in any other activity, just sitting and eating, having a meal together, and not learning Torah uh, is, is an issue of Moshev Leitzim. And the flip side of that, if you do learn Torah, then that is, uh, then that is wonderful. The Shechina is with you, and that is wonderful. The primary discussion in the Talmud of Moshe of Leitzim is a Gemara in Avodah Zarah. And the, the, the location of this discussion in Avodah Zarah is interesting because some of the later poskim wonder whether the objection the Gemara is going to make to various forms of ancient classical culture, whether it's somehow related to their, their being idolatrous or pagan or not, but not necessarily. Ramosha Feinstein denies that and says Moshe of Leitzim is a prohibition in and of itself, nothing to do with Avodah Zarah. The Gemara says, those who goes to Itztadinin, some type of stadiums, the word, the word is the same word as stadium, or Lecharkom, and he sees all kinds of performances, Chavrin, Bukion, Mukion, Mulion, Lulion, Blurion, Salgurion, he sees all kinds of uh, performances they used to have, that is Moshe of Leitzim, and he is subject uh, to the, the prohibition of the Paschkin Tehillim, the, the objection of the Paschkin Tehillim, why? We learn from here, Dvarim Halalu, this, this type of nonsense, this type of, uh, of culture, brings people to Beetle Torah. Again, 
similar to the Mishnah, similar to the Pasuk, the Gemara su- suggests that the objection to Moshe of Leitzim is Bittal Torah, but these things, all these performances, are Aser. Similarly, the Gemara says, Ashrei Hayesh Asher Halach, where should you not be going? Tartios, to theaters, Karkasios, to uh, circuses, so stadiums are prohibited, theaters are prohibited, circuses are prohibited, and so on. Kanigion. Kanigion is prohibited, something to do with uh, animals, perhaps the, the, the gladiator fights where they would throw people to the animals. But all these things you shouldn't go, you shouldn't do these things. The Gemara says, okay, so maybe you should not do these things, you can just go to sleep instead. Do nothing, just as long as you don't go to these places, you're fine. Nope, Saraso Yaga Yom Valayla, what you have to actually do is learn Torah. So these types of cultural events, theaters, circuses, stadiums, are usur. Instead, you should be learning Torah. Rabbi Yitzchak Vienna, the author of the Arzarua, one of the important of the medieval Ashkenazic scholars, he writes, those who engage in hunting, anyone who engages in hunting with dogs, he says, so later authorities discussed hunting, and some of them said it was... Uh, it was cruel, the Yehuda famously said it was a cruel habit, a habit it was a cruel uh, practice of Asa and Nimrod. But the Arzarua condemns hunting on other grounds. The Arzarua condemns hunting because it is a Moshe of Leitzim. He says one of the things the Gemara mentions in context of the broader discussion of Moshe of Leitzim is Kanigion. Rashi says catching animals uh, with dogs. Basically, he interprets that to mean the sort of hunting that was common in the medieval period. And therefore, he says. Those who engage in hunting for sport, that is, that's a violation of Moshe of Leitzim, and you shouldn't be doing that. And throughout, throughout our tradition, we find various, various uh, rabbinic authorities have condemned various, various types of cultural events that were common among non-Jewish society. Jews occasionally wanted to know if they were, per, if they were permitted to participate in, as spectators or even as participants in those events, and the answer was often in the negative. Going back to Yisrael of Bruna, he was the same one before who said that gambling was allowed on Hanukkah. He was asked, are you allowed to join in the, in the sport, in the festivities of the Christians when they race their horses? The way he describes it is, they they, they race their horses, and whoever's horse comes in first gets a gold coin, and so on. Is that permitted or prohibited? Says Yisrael of Bruna, that actually is permitted. He says, because that's not, that's not for entertainment, he says. Apparently, he understood that going to a horse race was like going to an auto show. Some people do that for entertainment as well. But you do that to find a car you want to buy, he says. You want to learn, you want to learn technique, he says. I guess riding technique, he says. You want to buy horses. A Jew needs a fast horse, he says. Why? To get away from the enemies. It was a dangerous time they lived in, he says. They, uh, they, they, your enemies are chasing you. A Jew, a, a Jew never knows when the next uh, murderous uh, Christian is coming around the corner. So he says, a Jew needs a fast horse. So going to watch horse racing, he says, can be construed as a productive activity. And even, he says, uh, even pious people did so. He says, however, to go to watch jousting, he says, when, the, when, 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 when they go, he says, they ride against each other with poles and things. They call that uh, some foreign word, but some form of jousting. And that, he says, he's not sure that's mutter, he says, that may very well be Moshe Vleitzim. The Jew is not going to learn... Uh, useful fighting techniques, apparently, from watching the night's joust. That's just pure entertainment, he says. He is not convinced, he says, that a Jew is permitted to, uh, that a Jew is permitted to go watch these, these types of sports, these types of public entertainments, 
Because again, the horse racing can be justified, can be justified, at least in his time, could be justified as a useful and productive activity. But uh, jousting could not. So he gives us kind of a, a criterion for deciding when something is a legitimate use of one's time, a legitimate activity, that's if it has a productive purpose. If I can, if I can say, this is why I'm going, I'm learning some useful skill, I'm getting some useful opportunity. I don't know if you'd say, you know, golfing, or if, if you can meet people and make deals over golfing, is, is, is that itself justify, uh, does that itself justify it? But certainly if there's some kind of useful skill or some useful opportunity that presents itself, then that's mutter. Something which is pure entertainment, he is not convinced that, uh, that this should be mutter. The contemporary postgame as well discussed the question of sporting events and theaters. Regarding sporting events, so some postgame are quite strict about this. Some postgame are very strict. Ramosha Feinstein was asked, Ramosha Feinstein discusses both theaters, theaters, movies, theater, live theater maybe, as well as sporting events. Ramosha is quite strict about all of this. In one shuva he writes, and briefly in passing, entering a theater or movies is Dover Ha'asr. Doesn't explain exactly why, but he said it's prohibited to enter theaters or movies. In a later tshuva, in a tshuva published in one of his later volumes of his uh, Igris Moshe, he discusses the question of theaters at greater length and stadiums as well, sports stadiums, he says. So on the one hand, he spends much of the tshuva arguing that it does not violate the rules about about walking in the ordinances of the non-Jews, about adopting pagan, pagan inappropriate practices, he says, that does not apply, because it has a legitimate purpose, it's entertaining, he says, it's not a religious thing. So that, that he argues that, that such, such, such aspects of culture do not violate the prohibition of chukus However, he says, they're, they're nevertheless prohibited. They're austere because of Latsanus, because of Moshe of Leitzin. Anyone who goes to such an event, to a theater, to a stadium, he says, violates the Isser of Moshe of Leitzim and violates the prohibition of Beetle Torah. Not just in the short term, in the immediate term, he says, it causes the Torah to depart from you in the longer term. He says certainly that applies to theaters and to sports stadiums, he says, and uh, they're prohibited as Lutzanus and Beetle Torah. Furthermore, he says, in theaters, he says, there, there's an issue of, uh, of Megari Yetzirah, there's a prohibition against participating in activities that arouse the the vulgar passions, the prurient passions, he says. Ruben, most of what they do there, he says, is divrei nivel pez, inappropriate speech, vasasil arayas, it's provocative, and it's uh, salacious, and it's usher, he says. Ramosha flat out prohibited in a published shuva, going to theaters, stadiums, and so on. The Ramanasha Klein, Ramanasha Klein was a Hasidish apostek, the Ungvar uh, from Brooklyn. He was uh, quite extreme in many areas, but he, unsurprisingly, also, he prohibits uh, horse racing. Going to the racetrack, he says, going to horse races, he prohibits all of that, he says, basically following the line of the Maribruna. He says, Maribruna already said that unlike, uh, that horse, horse racing in his time, he said, what could be justified because it had a purpose. You had to go buy a horse. Horses were... Uh, Horses were part of, uh, were an important part of life. So they were mutter to, to go buy horses, to go learn, learn about horses, he says. But today, no, nobody learns anything useful from a horse race. It's purely entertainment. He says, going to a race is usser. Furthermore, he says, you're not allowed to go and, uh, and, and watch ball games, he says. Ball play, he says. First of all, it's Bittl he says. It's also the history of Moshe of Leitzim. Not only that, not only is attending a, a ball game, he says, uh, not only is attending a ball game in a stadium, Oster, he says, as Moshe of Leitzim, 
listening to a ball game on the radio is also Moshe of Leitzim, or the television, he says, also Bittel Torah. He says, maybe you'll tell me it's not Moshe of Leitzim. He says, maybe you'll tell me that, not like I said, I, I jumped the gun a little bit, if, if you don't go to the actual stadium, maybe it's not actually Moshe of Leitzim, because fundamentally, Moshe of Leitzim, he suggests, is a social activity. Moshe of Leitzim, sitting with scorners, sitting with Lutzanim. So maybe there's no Moshe of Leitzim if, if you engage in the... In following, in watching or listening to the game as a solitary pursuit. But it's nevertheless usher as Bittel Torah, and anyone who has Yerushalayim will avoid it. So again, he seems, he, he, on the one hand, even though he's being strict, he gives us a potential leniency. He suggests that solitary pursuits do not violate Moshe Vleitzim. Nevertheless, he feels they violate Bittel Torah, and going to a stadium, which fundamentally is a social experience, he takes for granted is Moshe Vleitzim, which again was Ramosha Feinstein's position as well. Rav Chaim Aryezev Ginsburg quotes Rav Chaim Pencha Scheinberg as saying that in general these cultural events are mutter, circuses, theaters. They're mutter, he says, that the Isser, the Isser, Chazal talked about, he quotes a different pasuk of Altismach Israel Gil Ka'amim. Jews are prohibited from engaging in fun and play the way the non Jews do. That Isser of Scheinberg is quoted as saying is only when their culture was negedas Yehudis, when their culture was antithetical to Jewish, to Jewish culture, to Jewish, uh, the Jewish religion, as opposed to today. Doesn't really explain, doesn't explain what that means, but again, going back to the Gemara, uh, when, the Gemara when, when we talk about Roman circuses and Roman, uh, Roman stadiums, they weren't playing baseball, they were throwing people to the lions, they were forcing slaves to fight against each other and cheering them on, it was, uh, it was a horrifically inhuman and uh, uncivilized uh, Way to behave. That's fundamentally anti-Torah. So, so Rav Scheinberg apparently understood that the, the objection of the Talmud of the early sources to, to Moshe Vleitzim is, or to, to these types of prohibitions were things that were fundamentally anti-Torah. So much as, much as I would like this to be the halacha, because much of what we do uh, falls under this category, the problem is that this, this uh, psaac attributed to Rav Scheinberg flies in the face of a great deal of the traditional literature on Moshe Vleitzim, it flies in the face of what the Marie Bruna said, that the horse racing is a, that uh, at least jousting and horse racing, maybe he felt jousting is also anti-Torah, because fighting is anti-Torah. Even horse racing, the Marie Bruna implied, would be Moshe Vleitzim, if not for the fact that it's useful and productive. It's hard to see how to square that with uh, how modern ball games or circuses are less anti-Torah than, uh, less anti-Torah than, uh, than the horse racing or jousting in the time of the at the time of the Mary Bruna. What about boxing? Boxing is certainly, uh, is certainly a pretty uh, hard-hitting sport. It's certainly a pretty... Uh, it, it, it should be as much anti-Torah as some of the other things. Hard to know. Another hardliner in contemporary postgame is Rav Shlomo Aviner. Rav Shlomo Aviner, a leading Svardik Datilumi postgame in Eretz Yisrael, also noted for being uh, rather stringent and uncompromising. He has, uh, he has a whole list of activities which he considers many of them to be Moshe Vleitzim. He, uh, he gives examples of all kinds of popular customs. He gives you a handy list. I've excerpted uh, only part of it in the handout. But he goes through a whole list of, uh, he goes through a whole list of activities which he feels are, are, are many, of them, many of which are Moshe Vleitzim. So some of his conclusions are bowling. Bowling is a kind of Moshe Vleitzim. And also it's immodest because men and women mix. But bowling is Moshe Vleitzim. Television, the, first of all, he says, double problem. The content is superficial and full of Lush and Hara and, uh, and bad values and preachers. Also, he says, it's passive entertainment. It doesn't engage the intellect and so on. 
Uh, stand-up comedy, he says. Usser. He says, the, the heter of humor depends on the, quanti- depends on the detail, the quantity, the quality. A little bit of humor is okay. Stand-up comedy, flat-out usser. What he calls sport elitisti, elite, elite sports, he says. Hevel, Moshe of Leitzim. He says, personal sport, exercise to keep yourself uh, healthy, he says, that's fine. Elite sports on a, you know, on a high level, competitive level, usser. Harry Potter, he says. He says, imaginative literature, fantasy literature, like Harry Potter. Can't read them, he says. They, they, they arouse you to inappropriate beliefs. And they're full of havalim and shtuyot. I've heard from uh, distinguished American postmen. I believe I heard that, uh, I believe I heard that Revival Cohen, one of the most distinguished postmen in America today, held that uh, Harry Potter should not be read. Films, he says. Theater. Live theater. Movies, he says. Only allowed if they're educational. At Kosher and Sanua. Similarly for television, he says. Newspapers, Bittel Torah Gummer. You have to know the news, he says. You know, basic news you can know, but uh, to get obsessed with political details, he says. Bittel Torah. Circuses, Usser. Even religious circuses with no women, Usser. Theater, Usser. Fine. So, uh, and he's quite strict. And as a matter of fact, he has a, uh, a line that many people will probably be unhappy with. He says, regarding sporting events, he says, they asked him in one of his. Uh, one of his trademark uh, SMS chuvas. People ask him these very brief chuvas by short message, and he answers. He said, Is it a Kiddush Hashem if an Israeli sports team is victorious? And he said, No, it is not, he said. To be a Kiddush Hashem, it has to be a mitzvah. Competitive sports, sports are Moshe of Leitzim. As per his longer discussion, personal, personal uh, athletic activity for exercise is fine, he says. High level competitive sports, elite sports are Moshe of Leitzim, and therefore it cannot be a Kiddush Hashem. These poskim are, are quite strict. Moshe Feinstein, again, Moshe Feinstein is no fanatic. Even he was strict about this. Nevertheless, the minhag clearly is, even among those who are, uh, who, even among those who care about the, the Dvar Hashem, who care about halacha, is clearly to be more lenient, clearly to allow uh, Jewish camps, Orthodox camps, engage in athletic activity, even on a quasi-competitive level. The people go to ball games. Our own schools take people to ball games. So camp, schools and camps, I think, take people to ball games and amusement parks. So clearly, we're relying on a somewhat more uh, lenient view. Although, again, on, uh, on on the face of it, in terms of the traditional sources, a, a pretty strong case can be made for a Moshe's position that these things are prohibited. Literature, reading for pleasure. So, what's the what's the what's the halacha of reading for pleasure? So, the discussion begins in the medieval authorities. Tosfos says the the German Rishonim said. Mohammus, books of wars, history or Greek epics or ancient uh, a- a classical medieval literature written in foreign languages. So Tosa says, you're not allowed to read them, certainly not on Shabbos, where there are particular prohibitions about reading because it can lead to reading business documents and writing. But even during the week, Tosa says, the re, the, the, the re said, the re Balatosa said, I don't know how it can be mutter, it is Moshe of Leitzen. So, contrary to Ramanasha Klein, who seems to suggest the leniency that a solitary pursuit cannot be Moshe of Leitzim, the re seems to fail that even reading a book is Moshe of Leitzim if the book has no redeeming value, and he believed that these books of wars had no redeeming value, therefore they are usher because of Moshe of Leitzim. The rush as well, the, the, one of the pillars of modern halacha, Svar de Ashkenazim, the, the rush as well rules, Melitzos to Meshalem Shalsichas Hulun different types of parables and literature and maybe poetry, 
that which are not Kodesh, certainly Divrei Cheshek, that are, that are provocative and arousing, can't read them on Shabbos, even during the week they're Usser, quotes Rebbe Yonah is saying, even during the week they're Usser because of Moshe of Leitzim. Shulchan Aruch Paskins this way, Melitis and Meshalem shall see Chulin, and certainly works that are considered pornographic or vulgar, but even just books of wars, he says, you can't read them on Shabbos, even during the week they are prohibited because of Moshe of Leitzim and so on, and, uh, and you, can't, you can't read books on Shabbos. The Magen Avram says, similarly, going to theaters and circuses, different types of schok mentioned in the Gemara, are Usr, Moshe of Leitzim. I don't know, he says, who allowed these things on Purim. Apparently, in his time, there was a custom of Jews to engage and to participate in theaters and circuses on Purim. I don't think it's Mutter, he says. It's Usr on Purim as well. Maybe, he says, it's, it's some kind of extension of the... Purim spiels of the plays they would make about Achashverosh, he says, maybe that somehow extended to a blanket heter of, uh, of engaging in general culture. Magan Avram does not think, uh, does not think it's appropriate. Mishnabura echoes this view. He says, in our, great, in our sins, our many sins, today people think they can go to theaters. So again, it's, you know, we can argue the theaters of the, the Romans are not the same as our theaters, but the Mishnabura writing a century ago where I dare say the theaters were a lot less uh, vulgar and a lot, a lot less antithetical to Torah values than a typical movie theater today, culture of the Victorian period or post-Victorian period, I dare say was uh, more wholesome than today's. Nevertheless, the Mishnah Brewer says that is prohibited. Al-Tismach Yisrael Gil Ka'amim, Megari Eitzahara, Lutzanus, and so on, and there, and there is no Heter. So the Archa as well echoes the general ban on literature. He says, reading a newspaper is mutter because you have to know that has important information, useful information, he says. People have to know the things in the newspaper. However, he says, writing about the past, what we call history today, in Yanim Shekvar of Rumen Ha'olam, things that are no longer just uh, reading about the past, why do you have to know them, he says? What's the point of history? All the Havalim they have, the Schok and Kalas Rosh, you know, there, there's the famous, uh, there's the famous, uh, aphorism about he who does not learn from the past is doomed to repeat it, and people talk about Zechari Yimos Olam, Binush No Star Badar, maybe there is value in history, at least certain types of history. Archa Shulchan, though, was not impressed. He said, what does it matter? It happened already, it's done. Who cares, he says, reading history is just a waste of time, and Moshe blates him. And this is an attitude that's expressed by many postkim, even, even some contemporary postkim argue that, uh, that there's no general value in literature. Obviously, once again, we do have a countervailing view. Not, certainly nobody expresses the value of reading literature as well as Ravar and Lichtenstein, but, 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 but there are, there, there's certainly an opposing view as well, that there is value in literature, we can learn wisdom from literature, we can learn, uh, we can learn wisdom from history, and even on Shabbos, therefore, some posts can do allow it. There is a major machlokas in, in the laws of Shabbos, whether you're allowed to read things which are not much of Leitzim, but are not Torah, like science or math, even that's a major machlokas we show him. Rambam says it's usr. The minig is to be lenient, although poskim say, the Akronim say it's better to be stringent, but the widespread minig is certainly to be lenient to read things like math or science. Poskim actually debate, though, whether good literature falls into that category or not. Some poskim say no, math and science, subjective chachma is mutter, but literature, even if it's not strictly Moshe of Leitzim, you're not going to call it chachma. Others perhaps argue that, I haven't seen this in a major authoritative source, but others argue that no, that uh, you can learn, like Ravar Lichtenstein would argue, you can learn from good literature as well. So if it's mutter during the week, it's mutter on Shabbos. Once again, th- there seems to be a widespread practice that people read on Shabbos much of what they read during the week. 
whether novels or magazine columns, as long as they're not business and so on. It's debatable, and it, it's debatable even during the week. It's certainly debatable on Shabbos. But again, there is a widespread minhag to be makel. One, uh, one, one final topic, uh, going back to games and play. So what games did they used to play? The common game they used to play were cards, card games, gambling games. Another game they used to play, of course, was chess. Chess goes back thousands of years to its earliest forms in old Indian games and so on. They used to play chess. The Knesset Gdola, Reb Chaim ben Venisti, in the 17th century, he says, his discussion of chess occurs in the context of gambling. They used to play for money, and they used to play uh, on Shabbos, and he discusses the issues of Shabbos and gambling and so on. But in the course of his discussion, he mentions Mori. My, my teacher, he says, my, my teacher, that's the Marit, Reb Yosef of Trani, and all the Gedolei Hadar. He says, I've seen my, my teacher, and the Gedolei Hadar of the 17th or 16th century says, they did not used to object when people used to play chess. And moreover, he says, I heard that my, my teacher, the Marit, he says, when he would see people playing, when he saw them playing chess, he would teach them. He would, he would uh, you know, we call this kibitzing, it's, it's, sometimes it's frowned upon when you uh, intervene in the middle of a game, but he used to get involved, he used to tell people how to, uh, how to play better, he says. Similarly, he says, Rabbi Chil Basan, Rav Hilbasan, uh, I think, uh, he heard about him also, that he used to play, he personally used to play, and the Minigist to play, he says. So the Knesset Gdola tells us that some of the Gedolim of the Svardim of that time used to play, used to be familiar with the game, certainly didn't object to people who would play. So chess playing, he says, there was a pretty uh, solid, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty solid minhag that they used to play chess, and that the Gedoli Torah of that time in, uh, in Svard, in the Svardic countries of 400 years ago, didn't think it was a problem. Primagadim, however, writing a century or two later, Primagadim says that, no, he says, uh, playing chess is, is also during the week as well. It's Moshe of Leitzim. Playing chess, again, I'm, chess, I guess, by definition, is not a solitary pursuit, at least not before they had computers and so on, but uh, Moshe of Leitzim, playing chess is Moshe of Leitzim. It's like literature. It's like literature, he says, and it's, uh, there's no heter to play chess because it is Moshe of Leitzim, and the Mishnaburah brings this. The Mishnaburah says that playing chess is problematic during the week as well, because it's Moshe of Leitzim, not just on Shabbos. Again, it's a little hard to, uh, a little hard to understand how the Primagodim and the Mishnaburah make no mention of the Knesset Gedola, of the fact that there were Gedolei Torah of hundreds of years ago who did play chess and who apparently felt it was mutter. The truth is, I subsequently saw the Chidah, the Chidah writing 200 years ago, Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai, he also is skeptical uh, on, regarding chess as a legitimate activity, he says. He says, on Shabbos, eternally there are posts, even the Knesset Dola is inclined to the view that it might be us on Shabbos. Even during the week, he says, a, a person who cares about his soul, Shomer Nafsho, should avoid it, he says. He says it's true that he did find, uh, he found other posts who said it's us, sir. Now, he did find that the Knesset Dola, he says, he acknowledges, says that Gedola Yisrael were involved in chess playing. However, he says... He says, all right, Gedoli Yisrael, they must have been doing it L'Shem Shemayim. Maybe they were sick, they had Choli Ashkara, they, they had depression, like the, they, they had a particular doctor's note, a particular dispensation for medical reasons to uh, relax by playing chess. Mishim Rufua, he says, that, they had, that it helped them uh, clear their minds when they were plagued by negative thoughts, anxieties, and so on, he says, and to get back to their learning, he says. So we'll have to be Malam somehow, he says, but he's so convinced that chess playing is usher that he dismisses the evidence of the Knesset Gdola 
even though the Kesegiola goes further and says they weren't mocha in general, they saw people play, they weren't mocha, it sounds like it was a generally accepted pastime. Nevertheless, the Chida again says that he does not think that uh, the chess playing is appropriate. He thinks that uh, he thinks that we should not be playing chess. So where does all this leave us? Uh, I'm, not, I'm really not exactly sure. Of, of all the topics I've studied, this is one where there is uh, kind of one of, the, one of the most sharp divides I've seen between the, the overall trend of uh, traditional halachic literature and contemporary practice. We obviously do not live, our, most of us do not live our lives like this. We, we do have downtime, we do play, we do engage in reading for pleasure or games, participating in games, watching games, and so on. Many of these activities are explicitly prohibited by major poskim, everyone from Rabbi Yisrael Bruna to the Prima Gadim to Ramosha Feinstein. Nevertheless, the minog is to be quite lenient. Some of, again, as we've explained, some of what we do can be justified by saying that the, that the brunt of the opposition of the early sources was to activities and cultural, cultural events that were much more fundamentally anti, anti-Jewish, un-Jewish than contemporary ones, gladiator combats and vulgar Roman spectacles. On the other hand, it, that's clearly not entirely the case. Many of the later postkin prohibited activities like chess and reading literature which were not all that different, as far as I can tell, from, the, from the, our activities today. Literature, again, literature of the 15th century was probably a lot more wholesome, by and large, than literature of the 21st century. And uh, it's, it, it's difficult to understand why we are so lenient. Much of the leniency clearly, clearly stems from Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld's position, that we recognize that human beings are what they are. Maybe we're not as great tzaddikim as they used to be, and we have more need for for leisure, for play, for, uh, for, for, for diversity in our, in our cultural activities. Maybe that's part of the heter. I don't know. But at the end of the day, this is a, this is a general survey of the, of the halach in general. As we began, as we began on Hanukkah, there's a longstanding tradition that the rabbinic authorities allowed, often grudgingly, but allowed certain leniencies. Often they didn't feel it was the best thing to do, but they felt that people need some kind of outlet at least once a year, a few days a year, they should be allowed to gamble. But again, many of these activities, certainly card playing, chess, literature, sports, are condemned by a whole swath of post-Kmes Moshev Leitzim. Despite all that, however, there are some who are more lenient, and uh, the Minhag clearly is, uh, is, to, is, the Minhag is to be fairly lenient, although, as usual, as always is the case, it's not entirely clear to what extent the Minhag is, is justified, to what extent the Minhag is, the minhag is wrong. People, uh, people, I suppose, should consult their rabbinic authorities as to what types of leisure are acceptable and what types are uh, unacceptable.